Yes. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There, you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today is so interesting. It's Laurie Parrish, co-owner of Sheridan White Rock, Inc. It's a rock quarry in near Sheridan, Arkansas, known for its rare deposit of milky white silica quartz. Lori, having grown up in the mining industry, decided to try something else when she graduated high school and got a law degree from the University of Arkansas School of Law. Fourteen years ago, after practicing law for ten years, Laurie and her sister, Tara Harper, went back into the family business of mining at the White Rock Quarry in Sheridan, Arkansas. Welcome to the table, Laurie. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Tell me about this decision to leave your law practice and go back into the family business. Well, in 2002, my dad um, came to me and said that he thought maybe he would like to retire and um, suggested that my sister and I consider buying them out. And so, you know, it was a lot to think about and to get your head around or whatever after having not lived in this area for 10 years and, you know, owning my own business in a different way to come back home and 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 take over the family business. But, you know, it was just the right thing to do, and it felt really exciting at the time, and it's been a great decision for us, I think, to to be able to continue on something that my dad worked so hard to begin. Did your dad start it, or did he buy it from somebody? Well, it was a little mom-and-pop quarry when my dad and his business partner purchased it in 1973. Um, the young Smith man that owned it initially just basically sold in bulk, and so it was an ongoing quarry that my parents purchased, but they expanded it well beyond what it was doing initially. And you grew up working in the mine. Well, yes, I grew up with my mom and dad running the business my whole life. And so, you know, on Saturdays when, you know, go to work with my dad and around the dinner table every night, that's what my parents talked about were the decisions that they were making and the things that they were doing. And so, you know, I got a good bit of that growing up for sure. But it made you decide you wanted to go to law school. Yeah, you know, it's hard when you hear that all the time to then think about doing that your whole life. I I don't know. I think that everybody wants to try something different, but it's surprising how you always kind of come back home, I guess. And you're glad you did. Oh, absolutely. And was your sister hard to convince? Um, No, my sister's a nurse by education. And so, you know, I think that she thought the same as me is that our educational backgrounds didn't really equip us very well to run a business like this. But I think she's been very delighted that she that she took the bite too. Do you both work there every day? No, we, it's usually one or the other of us, sometimes both, but most of the time you'll get her or you'll get me. I can't wait to learn about this business. And so I want to take a break though. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to find out what makes the Sheridan's white rock so special and how we might possibly use it for our own personal use, like maybe landscaping.
You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting from door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, FlagAndBanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining FlagandBanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at FlagandBanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The FlagandBanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. So at the break, I'm asking Lori about these three kinds of rocks. And she was pretty smart about it. One's sediment, one's volcanic. The other one's metamorphic. I think so. Yeah. So there's only really only three kinds of rock. Is that true? Uh, I'm not a geologist. I know. I was going to ask you if you had to be a geologist to be in your business. I'm sure that it would be helpful, but... No person who owns a quarry that I know is truly a geologist. Um, tell me, what makes the rock so special? Well, predominantly it's color. There's very few naturally occurring white river rocks. It's just really rare and unique. And its chemical composition also makes it rare. It's 98 or so percent silica quartz, which makes it super hard and white. And those things in combination are just really rare. Like most of the things that you think of when you think of a white rock are things like marble chips, for example. And that's kind of a really soft rock and not really as suitable for things like, and one of the major things that we do with our material is we crush it into something very fine and we sell it to be plastered on the inside of gunite swimming pools. And because of its hardness and its white color, it's super desirable for that application. And it's just, you know, it just doesn't exist in very many places like this. And I, I don't know why anybody would ever use anything else. Well, some people don't like it because it's white, right? Like they want something kind of natural colored. And so for a landscaping application, sometimes it sort of goes in and out with the seasons. But for sure, um, to the inside of commercial swimming pools have to be white, and because our rock is so hard, it's just super desirable to be plastered in that way. And and we have orders from all over the nation, really, and for people demanding our material to be used like that. Do you? Is it hard to keep up with the demand? Um, yeah. As, yes. <laughs> if you you are you pacing yourself so you don't run out of rock? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the biggest things about owning your family's business is that you know you think of yourselves kind of as stewards, like. You know, it's not really about just making money today, but about trying to find a way to be able to maintain the business and and its money-making capabilities maybe for generations yet to come. And so that really has led um, my sister and I to really consider 
our rates of depletion and we have set them and we, you know, so that we can hopefully maintain the business for a really long period of time long enough for her kids and your kids, my kids, if they, so you're thinking 40 more years. Yes. <clears throat> and so you set a pace that you're going to go at. So yes. That, and, and when it's all gone, what do you do with the, 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 the quarry after it's all been depleted? I mean, I know when I was a kid, we used to go swimming in, I don't know what, the, I think those were bauxite quarries though. Well, we, um, early in our company's history, we did reclaim some of our land into ponds. And so on some of our acreage, we do have some ponds down there. My nephew fishes down there all the time. But in later years, and now we reclaim back into timberland. And so after we've depleted or dug out all the rock, we actually reclaim the land back in such a way that we can plant pine trees or something on top. And Is pine tree the only one that will probably grow in a rock quarry? Well, you know, once the rock's gone, it's, it's just land. It's just land. It's, it is, for us, it is. That's the way that we were. And the fact that it's dug out and deep doesn't create a water issue for the trees. Or well, there's a huge water issue down there. The water tables, it's in the Saline River bottoms. And so there's a lot of water to contend with already once you get down into the pit to dig the water away. But then as you reclaim and fill those holes back in and level off the surface, really it's no wetter than the land around it was initially. And so pine trees grow there. It would reforest itself naturally if you just let it. And just from the vegetation that's, you know, growing around on the land that's adjacent to it. So so you think you've got the white rock because you live in Arkansas and Arkansas is the diamond state? Do you think that we have quartz crystals already. So there's um, a good bit of similarity in the chemical composition between the quartz crystals and this milky white silica quartz. The, you know, it, it, it has a little bit of a difference in its, in the look, like it doesn't crystal up, like it doesn't really um, form the same shapes. This looks more like a river rock, but there is a good bit of similarity. There's geologists think of it a little bit as an anomaly. There's, they can't find an upstream source for this material. So they're not really sure exactly where it came from. And once it's gone, it's gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. Is there any ram environmental ramifications of it being gone off of our planet? Does it matter? Well, um, you know, I've heard, I've heard lots of reports lately that maybe even as early as 2050, there's going to be a shortage worldwide of construction um, components kind of in general, like things like sand and gravel and those sorts of things we're depleting at a huge rate and using in things like concrete and asphalt and building supplies. And so, you know, there is a ramification, the absence of those materials is going to put us all in a more costly situation for construction, you know, but, and environmentally, I, I guess that, you know, when you go in and remove the trees off some parcel of land and dig down in there and, you know, it's not exactly the same as it was before, but we, we don't treat the rock with anything. We just wash it with water, which we recap, you know, we have a pond, we use the pond water to wash the rocks. We recapture the water. We let the dirt settle out. We use the clean water to wash the rock again. And so, you know, as far as the impact in that regard, when There's I'm at the little. grocery store and I see, and I'm in a parking lot and I see all this white rock used as landscaping, is that your rock? It is, uh, unless it's marble chips. But my deposit of material is predominantly white. 
but it has an occasional gray stone in it, which is naviculite, which is kind of the stuff that they use to make like wet stones and stuff. And then it has an occasional pink quartzy colored material in it as well. And that's just the way it looks when you dig it out of the ground. I see that rock everywhere, and it looks like it's about an inch. Um, we size it. I, in, naturally existing in the deposit, the vast majority of the rocks are two inches or smaller in our deposit. There's very few things that come out of there really bigger in size than about two inches. And we screen out a size that we call landscape. It's about three quarters of an inch to inch and a quarter and we sell that rock to be used in that application size that way. So you have to have a big sifter that gravels, sifts through and gravels out mm-hmm. different sizes. and Yeah, it's like a, a multi-deck screen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And the we, little ones get through, and the mm-hmm. next ones are on the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said something, and I quote, you said one of your goals was to continue our longstanding tradition of providing quality materials and superior service to our customers. And I was thinking, how does a rock quarry give superior service? So um, our business really is unique, right? We do three things sort of exclusively. Or we sell the landscape rock that we really talked about, but that's really sort of a small percentage of what we really do. We take uh, material that's smaller than half an inch and we size it and dry it in a rotary kiln dryer and sell it to be mixed with a resin and epoxy decked on top of concrete surfaces. And so in addition to the white rock that we um, mine locally, We bring in 27 other colors from other quarries all over the nation and specially process it to be used in this application. And like getting the sizing and the color and the processing right is super important to our customers. And it's really the thing that we do really well. Like and I, you process it there in Sheridan, Arkansas. Yes. Our quarry site's actually located about 13 miles southwest of town. But in the actual town of Sheridan, we have warehouse facilities and some 20 employees who um, wash, screen, sometimes crush, size, bag, ship material all over the nation. And so we that epoxy decking material, we dry in a rotary kiln dryer. All the internal moisture has to be gone from the rock. Or the minute that it's um, mixed together and encapsulated in that epoxy and trialed down over a concrete surface and the sun hits it, that water's going to come out of the rock and it'll cloud up the inside of the epoxy. And so it's super important to our customers that we have to get it just right. And so, you know, that's the thing that, that really, like my... My dad's, he's set up up on a system and really has um, really sort of laid the foundation for us to be able to do that in a way that's really good for our customers. We really do excel in getting that just right for them. I don't think of that as a mom and pop operation. I bet the people that your father bought it from weren't doing that. So no, your, no. Your it's, father honed that, created that. Did he and, create that process? No. Is he an he, engineer? No. He Well, he should be. Like he has the ability to make or build or do anything, which is the the quality I wish I had gotten from him, right, more than anything. But in 1976, there was sort of the beginning of that market was kind of coming upon us, and he just saw the opportunity and went to a junk sale and bought the pieces to build his first dryer for some $600 at a junk sale and built it, shop built it himself, and 
installed it and set about drawing some rock and figuring it out. And he did. And we've continued to do that since 1976. So quality control is your customer service that you're talking about. And you even take rocks in, which seems like that'd be really expensive to ship rocks to you yes. to do this process. Yes. And, and even probably the shipping's more expensive than the product. Uh, oftentimes. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, so you ship it in and you process it and then you ship it back out because there's such a large demand and it's being used for mostly lining already existing concrete pools or concrete driveways. So we really do two things. So we do epoxy decking rock, which are the rocks that we bring in from other places and our rock size somewhere from just smaller than half an inch to about three thirty seconds of an inch. And we bag that and ship it out. And it's basically used decoratively on top of existing concrete surfaces. And then in a different sort of application, we take our rock and crush it into a smaller size and sell that bagged sort of and processed the same way to pull plastering companies all over the United States who plaster it on the inside of gunite swimming pools. And so really, they're kind of two separate, I'm going to say, lines, all the... They sounds like it. Right. One's being bagged and sent to Home Depot? Uh, none of that's being bagged and sent to Home Depot. What They're, is being bagged and sent to Home Depot? Landscape size material mm-hmm. is being bagged in plastic bags and sent to places like Home Depot, Sutherlands, you know, all sorts of home uh, ACE hardware, those sorts of places. But these smaller aggregates are being shipped to installers, mostly to people who are actually going out on the job, tradesmen, craftsmen, and who are doing the actual pool plastering work. You know, not to mom and pop, you know, not for you to do your own swimming pool. I noticed when I was doing research that everybody calls rock aggregate in your business. I was like, why don't we just call it rock? I don't know. It sounds nice. <laughs> it does, does. I was like, what's aggregate? And then I, would, I was like, oh, rock. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. If could people come out to your store and just buy from you if they wanted to? Could they just drive up to your quarry and buy from you? Or do you just wholesale and sell to people that distribute, but do you ever sell to the end user? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. We sell landscape size material, like that sort of stuff, either in bulk or bagged in poly bags. And you can buy that from us directly. This, these other sort of specialty aggregates, we distribute to just to, to distributors, mostly plasters. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what an end user would do with that. Yeah, they wouldn't. But the but the landscape, if I'm landscaping a yes. really large, if I'm landscaping Arkansas Flag and Banner, let's yes. say, and which I've got a big piece of property downtown, um, I could come out there with my own truck and load it up, mm-hmm. you think? Yes, you could come to my quarry site if you wanted it loose loaded in the back of your pickup truck or in a truck and trailer, and my guys would, you know, wait. Is it, and you could loose, get it loose or mm-hmm. you can get it in bags either way? If, well, if you get it in bags, you have to get it at our warehouse facilities in town. If you want it loose loaded, you actually have to go to our quarry. So, how do people it. call you? Um, just look you up. Yeah, just look up Sheridan White Rock online and pick up the phone and call you and ask your hours and yeah, you know that's. I mean, really, the bulk of our business is not that right, right, and right. Um, most of the material that we manufacture and distribute goes outside of the state of Arkansas. Oh, it does almost exclusively. Really, mm-hmm. and why is that? Because we can all go in our backyard and get our own white rock. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't, I, you know, gunite swimming pools are not very common here for starters. I think just because of the soil composition, most people use vinyl liner pools. And so that sort of application is just not as common here as it is in places like California and Florida and South Texas, where every pool that exists under the sun must be gunite swimming pools. 
And, you know, epoxy decking is just not as popular here as it is in other areas of the nation. And so there's just not as much demand here. Well, if I do it, I am definitely doing it that way. I'm going to use my local products if I ever make a pool. Well, I think it would be great. I know. I'm surprised we don't use it more. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Laurie Parrish, co-owner of Sheridan White Rock Quarry that mines a rare deposit of milky white silica quartz. So... You're a miner's daughter, but it's not coal, Lori. But you said, when that came on, you said that your quarry, though, is subject to the same regulations. And you're a lawyer, so I bet that comes in handy. Well, regulatory compliance is... It, it really is probably the most cumbersome portion of owning a quarry, and it's true. The Even sand and gravel quarries are subject to the same mine health safety administrations as coal mines are, even though exclusively in Arkansas, almost every quarry that I can think of is an open pit mine as opposed to something underground. And really, you know, it's not the same sort of considerations, but yet you're saddled with the same regulatory issues. Do you have safety issues or problems much? You have really large equipment, it sounds like. Yes, but I also have a very experienced workforce. Most of the, uh, especially in key positions, most of the people that work for us have worked for us since I was a kid, you know, a good many of them. And and so they're super conscientious and um, really experienced. And, you know, heavy equipment, of course, always comes with some risk and machinery and all of those sorts of things. But we've, we've never really had any sort of, um, I hate that I've said that out loud because probably I'm going to jinx myself. No, you're not. You have a great record and you've never had any problems. I can't believe people work for you for so long. People love that business. Um, yeah, like, or they love working for you or your dad. <laughs> Maybe my dad before me, more so than me, I'm sure. My sister. A lot of times when a small business changes hands, the employees are loyal to the first, to the parents and they don't stay on. I'm, you know, I'm sure second generation family business owners have the same problem. I'm sure everywhere. It's hard. It's hard to fill the shoes of the person that comes before you. It's hard to you know, to, to make new decisions and to make changes while maintaining the culture and the feeling of the things that came before you. It's something I think that we struggle with a lot just because, you know, everybody has such respect for my parents and they're amazing. And, and you are know, they still around? Mm-hmm, Did yeah. they come down there? Oh, uh, yes. And my dad, um, even last year, maybe the year before we expanded our production facilities in town and my dad came and helped us, you know, shop build some of the equipment that we installed and, offered some suggestions and you know, he's, it's great. He's great to help us with things like that. And really that is my deficiency. He's so great about being able to see how the equipment should all come together and what's for repairs and how it should all be laid out. And you know, that's just not my experience. It's not my strong suit. And so I appreciate the fact that, that he's still willing and able to come. And so how many employees do you have? Um, right now, maybe 26 or 27. We're gearing up just a little bit. So maybe 30 or 31 or two. Because everybody's landscaping, make building pools. And uh, yes, because people are, and epoxy decking really is quite seasonal. The weather has to be above 40 degrees in the area where the installation's happening. And so that really is the most seasonal of, uh, of our bagging portion of our operation. And so it kind of kicks off sometimes between March 15th and April 15th and goes and through the summer. Typically, I uh, want to talk about the size of your land and how people can know if they have good land. But I, before we move off that, talking about your rock, it's you say it's silica rock, which makes it really hard. And you said so, I read somewhere that you make 
silica steel and computer chips with it. So we have the, during the, you know, since the beginning, we've, our rocks got done a lot of different things. And there were times when they actually used it to make computer chips. And I mean, it, uh, it really is hard, like maybe a nine on the hardness scale, which is pretty rare. That's really fascinating to me. It's uh, it, the deposits really unique and, um, just, you know, because it just doesn't exist like that anywhere else. And so, so how big's your land? Um, I looked at it online because you have a picture of it on your website. Y'all should go to Sheridan Rock's website, White Rock website, and see your land. I love looking at the quarry from the aerial view. It was fabulous. I, I'm not sure I know the exact acreage. I'm going to say somewhere between six and 800 acres. We typically, though, permit, um, you know, in order to be able to mine at your facility, you have to have a permit from the Arkansas Department of environmental quality. And so we typically permit in about 40 acre swatches. And so, you know, we're actively mining on about 40, right now 60 acres. But um, so that's typically what we do. We mine it, reclaim it, and then move on to the next parcel. So I have a big, let's say I do, I don't, but let's say I have a big piece of land in maybe a rocky area. How would I go about finding out if I had any good rock? Can you just see it on top of the surface, or do you call out a geologist who digs down like you're looking for a well and a, a water source and see if he can find some levels of rock? Uh, well, most of the rock in Arkansas is like 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 the rock you would see on a mountain. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, brown. Like you would see the rock maybe yes. in outcroppings, and that rock really, like there's no real commercial application for that. What do you... Would you be able to see your beautiful white rock if you hadn't, or was originally the first person could see it? So the story is that the gentleman who purchased the land initially was hunting there in this rural area in South Grant County in the 1950s. And as he approached a stream bed that some of the rock had sort of washed, you know, the depth of the rock kind of varies over the over the acreage. Like there are some places that it's quite close to the surface and then some areas where it's maybe under 15 or 18 feet of dirt, but especially around washes or creeks or whatever, you could see the rock in the bed of the creek and he saw it there. And supposedly the story is he was from some Midwestern state and had had some experience selling or mining rock and, and recognized its potential, especially for application in uh, landscaping and straight away bought the property, made arrangements to buy the property and set in to start digging there. And, and So there wasn't a big white mountain that he went, oh, look at that white bluff. No. It was through a stream that he saw it washed down. He was like, look at these pretty white rocks in the stream. I wonder where they're coming from. Yeah, and he started doing some investigation and found it and realized that he could sell it and he thought he could make some money. And so that's pretty cool. That is cool. So how do you excavate? You just take out your big... You, what's the process? You go out there with your backhoe, I guess? Track hoe. We track hoe dig. Um, think of it like digging a pond, I'm going to say. So he goes out there, and he's going to set his track hoe down. And in a swath around him, he's going to remove the topsoil and preserve that. And then he's going to take the overburden, the dirt that's on top of the deposit of gravel, and he's going to do then stockpile that as well for reclamation. Stockpile it. Make a, just make a big pile. Mm -hmm. okay. Yep. And so that when he's dug all the rock out, he's going to put that back in the hole. I gotcha. Right. And so then he just digs out the gravel and um, loads it into these huge 75 ton articulated dump trucks that 
take it to the to the um, plant to be washed and sized. And, and that plant is so, off-site. It's in downtown. Well, so we have a plant at our quarry site that washes and sizes initially, and then the material comes to town. The smaller aggregates come to town and are washed again and sized again. And, and sifted. And dried and, and dried and, and bagged dried. and shipped all over the nation. That is just a fabulous business. So what is it you like the very best about I guess besides the, the money. Well, <laughs> I really do like the fact that it's something that my dad was so passionate about. It's something that, you know, he worked really hard to establish. And, and I like the fact that I feel a little bit like a steward, you know, mm-hmm. over something that was super important to him. What's the part you don't like? I hate the regulatory compliance. It's so cumbersome and daunting. And, you know, those agencies have such power and authority over your business that, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. Do they come out every year? They come more often than annually. Um, mine inspectors come at least twice a year and typically twice a year. Plus they come and check your facilities for noise and dust level. So, so it's for safety issues like OSHA, I guess it's It's the same sort of an inspection that you might get only the rules are different. So if I wanted to get in that business, is it too late for somebody to go, I think I'll go look to buy a rock quarry. Does anyone ever want to sell a rock quarry? I mean, oh, you're, I, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, your dad bought it, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine somebody that's got a rock quarry saying, you know, I think I'm tired of doing this. Um, really you sort of be surprised. Like a lot of the people who are quarrying gravel are really experienced miners who are older and more established and, and really, it, it, there might be more of an opportunity for that than you think. They're getting ready to retire, mm-hmm. and yeah. their children have moved to the city like you did? Mm-hmm. No, That's because most of them are sort of existing in rural areas. So you put things in 56-pound bags? 56, 50-pound bags per 50, pound. Oh, 50, oh, yeah, there you go. 56 mm-hmm. 50-pound bags per pallet. And so that's how we ship that materials bagged and stacked up on a pallet. What would would you think that equipment would be your main expense? It seems like it would be. I mean, I'm I mean, you've got 25, 26, 30 employees. Really, healthcare is my biggest expense. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. yeah. People, um, you know, people don't realize that small businesses have become burdened with doing what are what I think our government should do, not everybody's going to agree with that, but because our government or or for whatever reason, small businesses are burdened with health insurance. I don't know how that ever happened, that we are in charge of the health of the nation. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. You know, I don't know. I think that I... Um, I hear that it, from a lot of small business people. Though. But I'm, I'm grateful we can, is the yes. real truth, right? Like Right. Um, so I I don't know, payroll might be my single biggest, um, but second to that really might be healthcare costs. And then of course, you know, there's lots of costs related to equipment and machinery and, you know, a track is a huge amount of money. You know, if you have to buy new equipment like that, those pieces of heavy equipment, they're extremely expensive. I would think you could repair them to infinity though. You cannot repair them to infinity. We do try at our place and we do a lot of the maintenance. You just have to. You have to be able to do it yourself in order to ever be successful. And so I'm very lucky that the guys that we have that work there are really capable and 
the vast majority of those sorts of things we take care of in-house. But they do not last forever. You know, it seems like there'd just be nuts and bolts and tires and engines, and you just keep replacing them, replacing the parts. Doesn't seem like they'd be real complex. Are so they computer? The, are they computer generated? So the newer models are, and I think they're doing it to small business owners on purpose. They're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like especially the EPA, the emissions regulations on new equipment, tier four sort of things. They're just putting you in a position where you can't do the maintenance yourself, and it's just, you know, it, it adds a huge financial obligation. To have to have people from Little Rock, for example, come down and plug your piece of equipment into the computer to be able to tell you what's wrong with it and then come back the next day with the part to fix it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. So they're just, they're falling into the same pattern that all of our cars are. Exactly. You've got to have a computer exactly. to do the diagnostics on your large equipment. It's, uh, yes, which makes it increasingly more. Someone th- asked me the other day, I had to fill out a survey and they asked me the other day, what was, what were some of my, largest expenses and you know i used to would have said you know payroll or employees because we but but we're moving away from hiring and having a lot of employees more towards it seems like we're moving more towards technology and supporting all these equipment and computers and you know keeping the technology running it seems like it's starting to take over and and I guess they call that robo sourcing. Yes, know, but in it's a weird hard sort of way. for us because it, it's hard to find technically proficient employees. That's correct. And so, like, if I had ten people on the end of the line who are bagging rock, some fairly, you know, it, some reasonably inexpensive employee, mm-hmm. and I then automate that, then I have to replace those 10 people with a person who's capable of fixing that line when it goes down. And that person doesn't exist for me. Like finding welders and heavy equipment operators and people with CDLs, like those things are hard, much harder to do than you realize. And the vast majority of the people who are working with those sorts of skills are aging. And there are very few people coming up who have replacement skills available who are going to be able to take their place. And I think we're doing a huge disservice to ourselves, not encouraging younger people to consider occupations like that. A heavy equipment operator, I mean, they make a decent living. and They make a good living, uh, I think. Wonderful living. Yeah, right? right. But you never hear somebody say, oh, when I grow up, I want to drive a truck hoe. You know, I hear, I heard, had a, we had a guy on here the other day who said that he was in the trucking industry and he can't find truck drivers. No. There's not enough truck drivers. And the regulatory issues have become so prohibitive that people can't drive. I mean, it's the same across this industry. Like, Well, mine is a sewing industry, so you can imagine how hard that is to find people that can sew. Can you sew, Laurie? Um, well, enough to make a costume. But. <laughs> For your daughter, you've got some great news we're going to share when we come back from the break. Flagandbanner.com reminds you that summertime is patriotic season. There's lots of holidays you know about. Memorial Day, Independence Day, Veterans Day, but there's lots you can celebrate with beautiful American flags from flagandbanner.com that you may not know about. Constitution Day, Flag Day. There's Election Day coming up this year, Bill of Rights Day. 
these are the days you want to celebrate with a beautiful new American flag or pennant or stick flag or military and service flags. Flag and Banner even has all kinds of fabrics and fans to decorate your front porch, your lake house, or anywhere you want to creatively display the red, white, and blue. Remember, patriotic season is from Memorial Day to Labor Day, and any kind of creative thoughts you have as to how you want to celebrate, we can handle it. Flagandbanner.com, that's the website. Check it every week because there's specials all the time. Flagandbanner.com. You. you you laughed at that one. It was the best. It was the best one, wasn't it? Well, everybody loves Queen. Everybody loves Queen. You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Laurie Parrish, co-owner of the Sheridan White Rock Quarry. Mine's a specially milky, opaque silica white rock that's rare and found really in Arkansas. Anywhere else? Uh-uh. Mm. There's some similar materials that are found in a couple other places, but the color's not as true and bright white as ours. So we got an email from Susan and Conway, and she wants to know, you are a woman running a business in a male-dominated field. Have there been any challenges? You know, I mean, of course I've gotten the whole as you call to buy a new track hoe and the salesmen say, well, why don't you go talk about that with the guy who's in charge and get back with me? Like, of course, we all get that. But really, it's not been, you know, like I don't feel like it's been a liability at all. Maybe it's a novelty for people, for, you know, for me to be, for my sister and me to be women pouring gravel. But I don't feel like I've been denied something or, or been less successful as a result of it, really. I think your novelty, I think that's probably true. I think I, a little. In my business, there are several women in the flag business. There's lots of um, veterans in the flag business, but there's women in the flag business also because we sew. Right. We sew flags, or we used to sew, sew flags. Today, we digitally print everything. It has changed so much. How has the rock business changed? You know, you said that it's dramatically expanded mm -hmm. to meet the increasing demand. That's, so, I think that probably, you know, it's funny when I think about the question because it feels like it's changed in a lot of ways, but really it's sort of stayed the same. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that the procedures we use to extract the gravel and to wash them probably have predominantly stayed the same. Of course, equipment's become more efficient and they have new generations of things, crushers in particular, and screens that they're using today are far more efficient than the ones that my dad would have installed some 20 or 30 years ago. And But, you know, the concepts are kind of the same. Really, the changes have come with things like um, the how it is that you get a customer, how you get the sales, you know, all of that. A good bit of that now comes the same as I'm sure for you. It comes um, through the Internet and and, you know, customers find us in ways that they never were able to before because you have a higher profile online and we're shipping to more exotic locations and we're shipping in ways that we've never shipped before, like by container, rail containers. and those Back to the railroad? Things. So they 
bring out a big van. They put it on the back of a truck and they bring it to your facility and they load it and they go back to the rail yard and they put that container on a rail train and it goes to California or wherever it is that you're. That doesn't seem new. That seems old fashioned. Yeah, but it's hugely efficient and yeah, hugely. Yes. And so, you know, those sorts of things I think are the changes really more than the changes on the ground with what the guys are actually well doing how would they have shipped it before that seems like the only way to ship rock well no i probably it is but you know what i mean like you just wouldn't have shipped that far you know what i mean oh like, i see what you're saying the thought of shipping a rock from little rock arkansas to california to be used in some application is something that probably nobody would have ever considered just because the you know freight so prohibitively expensive that no they would have locally sourced it and they would have just settled for whatever it was that they that the they sky's could find. the limit When people say America is in a recession, it doesn't feel like it to me. I think there's a big separation between uh, working classes in, you know, the disparity of the money and how it's dispersed. But it does seem like people have this money, like you said, to ship it all. There's somebody out there in California that can afford to have your rock shipped all the way out there. And, you know, to be used, like, in commercial swimming pools, right? Like, it's the, like... The demand for it continually surprises me. It just does. Like, I'm just amazed that people... For commercial swimming pools. Predominantly. For, like, hotels, I guess. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because, you know, they want the inside of it to be white. So if the kid's floating in the deep end... Ugh, don't even say it. Well, you know what I mean. Like, (sighs) that's, I mean, right? And so... And all over and in huge quantities. And so there have to be a good bit So people are vacationing. People are landscaping. When I grew up, nobody had a landscaped yard. Most landscaped you ever had was someone had a row of azalea bushes. Today we've got landscaping rocks, which is great for your business. Mm -hmm. And then we've got lots of pools to go with hotels for the people that vacation. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the fact that we sell some sand and sand traps on PGA golf courses. Wow. So, you know, like there's all sorts of, but it is, it's, um, you know, they're mostly high end kind of applications where they really are maybe more impacted by a downturn in the economy than maybe something else might be. And, and since you said that, I looked back and you are doing aggregates for vinyl roofing systems. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a lot of, our customers are, um, innovative right? Just think about that white rock on the top of a rooftop. It has such a reflective quality that it helps with the energy efficiency of the building by a tremendous amount. And so especially in green construction, they're looking for materials like that that will help reflect the sun's rays and keep the building itself cooler. And so there's been a huge increase uptick in the application of our uh, materials in that application as well. People are smart, thinking of all sorts of things. So what are the challenges that have come from the increase? Just production? But you but you don't want to use your whole quarry up. So right. you've got to really it's pace yourself. That Do you balance. want more business? Do you try to solicit more business? Do you advertise? No. <laughs> well, epoxy decking material, we're ever sort of expanding and, and we take on new customers. But in the pool plastering market, my sister and I haven't take on, taken on a new customer since we bought the business from my parents 14 years ago. You it's haven't had a new customer in the in, that in the pool plastering market, right? In the fourteen years now, our customers are continuing to grow their market share, which causes problems for us, of course. Mm-hmm. But we haven't taken on a new customer just because we can't meet the demand. 
and continue and, to keep the quarry functioning for well, 40 more years. And, you know, you, nobody wants to, I mean, right, like it's finding that balance between work and you don't want to have to be down there working 60 hours a week and running two shifts, pulling out rock constantly. And even despite the depletion concerns. Here's a life work balance. You're exactly. To okay. So let's share your news. Oh, speaking of life work balance, that was a perfect segue into your next news because you have two. Very talented daughters. Oh, my sweet 13-year-old just got accepted to a summer junior theater, a Broadway junior theater camp. And I'm impressed with your daughter because she did her own application. She did, and her um, audition video she had to upload to YouTube and attach the link to her application and submit it to the people in New York. And, yeah, it was... um, yeah, quite the feat. You have to be very ambitious and very dedicated to want to fight the battle of moving to New York City. Where is this camp? Is she going? Is it New York City? Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that it's on Broadway. It's on Broadway. To want to fight that battle and to go where everybody wants to go. <laughs> so she's very ambitious for a 13-year-old. They're both peachy. My sister's got two peachy ones, too. and So it's a good thing to you, want to. You may not need to keep the rock quarry for them. You always want to have a fall. <laughs> They're going to be living in New York. They'll be like, well, we're not going back down there don't, to Sheridan, Arkansas. Don't tell that to Papa. He says fallback positions oh, yeah, are Papa always Oh, yeah, Papa might be listening, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got an 11-year-old. And she's a dancer. She's peachy, too. And she wants to be a prima ballerina, I believe. Uh-huh, That's a pretty ambitious thing to want to be. She's peachy. I'm sure she's seen the New York, um, New York Ballet. The African American, first African American. Misty Copeland. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Her dream for her birthday this year is to see her in her production of um, The Golden Cockerel. That's all that she wants is to see Misty Copeland. Have you got the role? Oh my gosh. I'm I'm kind of with her. That's kind of my wish for everything. She wants to be her replacement. That's. She, she wants to be a replacement. See, look, how you, why, what's the key to having your kids be so ambitious? Oh, I, it's luck. At my house, I can promise you. It's, it was, it's despite me instead of in, I can promise you, it, was, it, it just happened in spite of me. Oh, I don't know about that. So I think that you would have to buy, I know that right now Arkansas Flag and Banner needs to buy another expensive piece of equipment. You have to buy equipment all the time. We kind of talked yes. about repairing it, but do you have to put it in your budget every year yes. that you've got to buy new equipment to keep up with your... Yes. And the gravel's real, um, it's real abrasive. And so equipment doesn't, like a screen, everything, it just... Because the rock is so hard, especially when it gets down to those really fine particles, it, it's super abrasive. And so things have a tendency just to wear out because it's, it just eats it up. Like, you know, it, in our bucket elevators where we size things in screens on I in bet hoppers. it eats those and, screens up. Oh, my gosh. And so it's a constant thought. Um, sure. What have you learned since you've gone back to work with your family's business? That despite my law degree and my thinking that I'm a negotiator, that I'm really bad at that, that I am the worst person on the planet at hiring people. Um, <laughs> but you don't need to. You do, you've got employees that last forever. Well, we have, you know, some, the ones who mostly bag at the warehouse or whatever, that sort of have a higher turnover. But your entry level positions, I'm the worst at that. If I swear to you, why if do I you hire, say that? I just, I cannot hire one that sticks. My sister's so much better at that than me. So you don't do it. Mm-mm, she does it. I fire. She hires. 
that's our deal. <laughs> Whoa. I think she got the good deal out of that one. A lot of people can't fire. So what do you think uh, you're really good at besides firing? Uh, not much. I don't believe that. Um, I don't know. I Humility. She's good at humility. We have, we're, I'm so like, we have an office manager that's worked for my parents before us and now for being a chair the whole time we've been there, she's been working there since 1985. And you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I hope the thing that I do well is appreciate the people who make it easy for us to continue working there. That's what I want to do well is to appreciate them because, mm-hmm. you know, none of us could do it without them. They're also Susan in our offices and the guy who runs my production, like all of them, they're just wonderful. And where would we be without them? Is there mostly men working at your at your facility because it's all rocks and hard to, um, and we have, um, in our offices, Mm -hmm. my, the administrative staff are are women, but most of the other people who work there are all men. Yeah. (laughs) So I have something at the end of the show that I give to everybody that I cannot wait to give to you because you and your sister are going to love it since you're in a man's world. So as a gift, or your business, even though you didn't birth it, but your parents birthed it and you're keeping it going, you get a cigar for you. <laughs> Thank you. And for your sister, you can go out there in the rock quarry, or you can just give it to one of your great guys as a gift from oh. the show. Well, thank you for having That's me. That's from the humidor. You're welcome. You are very interesting. I love your business. Well, thank you. Thank you I, so much for having me. You are so welcome. I'd love to be in that business. Tim, come down. Come, I'd love to come down. I'll let you drop the truck house. Oh, I'd love to do that. Okay, I'm going to take you up on it, Laurie. So if you have a great entrepreneurial story you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org, and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right, but it's also about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy. Be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guests. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream. 